according to the internet, some kind of taco cat day. Um, you know what I'm talking about? It's the same one way as it is the other, 0202-2020. Now um, you got it. Um, at any rate, that, that was what the internet told me. The internet also told me it's National Tater Tot Day, so take that for what it's worth. Um, but it's also Super Bowl Sunday, and uh, that's a big deal. Um, there's going to be a Super Bowl party at the KFC tonight, um, correct? If you're a college student, you don't know about that. Now you do. If you're not a college student, you're still invited because they want you to bring food. Um, if it's just them, they're going to have like a couple of crackers and... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, guys. Um, at any rate, show up for that. That's... Uh, uh, a good time. We're thrilled that you're here this Sunday because we know that there are a lot of places you could be. And we want to get to know you. We want to welcome you. We have a lunch prepared right here in our fellowship hall. Um, that is, uh, that's going to happen immediately after worship. Go in there. If you are a visitor, new member, or college student, you are welcome. Um, Truthfully, anybody's welcome. They're not going to turn you away. But specifically, those three are people that we would like to invite to that so that we can connect with you, so that we can get to know you, and that kind of thing. Um, because food is how we connect in, in our culture, right? I mean, food is more than survival. Food is, is, is the ways that we, we celebrate our achievements, the ways that we celebrate our, our life. Um, you know, today is my nephew's birthday. He's in the nursery working, so he doesn't know I'm embarrassing him. When you see Caden today, tell him happy birthday. He really likes it if you mess up his hair. Um, but, but seriously, you celebrate that with cake. You celebrate that with food. Um, that's how you celebrate. Um, it's how we, it's how we court, you know, when you were dating, you would go out to dinner that's, that's how you do that. You, you shared a meal. Um, growing up, sharing, coming together, Thanksgiving, major holidays, you would, you would share a meal. The sharing of food is as, is as old as mankind itself. They have found ruins right outside of Tel Aviv of a hearth that is, they estimate, 300,000 years old. Yeah. 300,000 years old with evidence that people would come together around this hearth and prepare food and share it because that's what mankind does we share food that's how we that's how we commune with one another the ancient Greeks would define family oikos as those who feed together that that was the literal that the, because their idea of a family were the people that shared a meal. Food, sharing of a meal is important. And, and children, children imitate that. We make mud pies, you know, and they play uh, host and hostess. They play uh, uh, trade snacks and, and, and play food. We, we celebrate with birthday cakes. And, and there are still cultures that leave delicacies graveside so that their, their loved ones can know they're remembered because that food is how we connect with one another. Even when times are tough, the urge to celebrate with food continues. The story is told of uh, Robert Falcon Scott's discovery expedition to Antarctica in 1902. And supposedly they celebrated in, in this harsh 
uh, condition, they celebrated Midwinter Day, which was the, the shortest day and the longest night of the year. And, and they had brought extra provisions just for this celebration. Supposedly 45 live sheep were slaughtered and hung from the riggings of the ship where they immediately froze. Um, and and they, so they kept them frozen until the time for them to be cooked and them to share the meal. Scott would later write, With such a dinner, we agreed that life in the Antarctic region was still worth living. Gathering to share food is a communal union as old as mankind. It's, it's, it's why the table is so important. We're starting a new series uh, this week that we're calling The Table, and we're going to walk through the Gospel of Luke. Um, and, and we're not going to do it the traditional line by line. There are some people who tell you that's the only, that's only good preaching. That's not preaching, that's commentary. And I respect you enough that you can read a commentary. We're, we're going to look at a little bit deeper. We're going to look at a major theme that runs throughout the Gospel of Luke. Traditionally, we, we, uh, we don't see those things because we get in too tight. But Luke uses the table more than any other gospel. There are stories of meals and table fellowship that are only in Luke, that are nowhere else. And that's interesting. There's got to be a reason for that. There's a, a, some commentators have written that, that in the gospel of Luke, Jesus is either at a meal, going to a meal, or coming from a meal. And, and that's the way Luke's gospel is, is structured. So we're going to go through this and we're going to look at these, these table scriptures uh, throughout the gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles this morning, and, and I would encourage you to bring your Bible. Um, we are a Bible-believing, Bible-studying fellowship here. And uh, we want to be people of the Word. I don't care whether it's paper or whether it's on your electronic device. That doesn't matter. Um, what matters is that you have that so that you can see what God says, not what Jeff says. Um, and, and so if you don't have a Bible, we will give you a Bible. You, on your way out here, stop by the hub. There are people out here who will give you a Bible because we want you to have that. We want you to be able to, to be in the Word of God. And so take us up on that. That's, that's what we want to be about. Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. Um, Luke chapter 5 is where we find the first table meal, the first table in, in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 5. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. We're going to stop there just for a second. In Luke 5, Jesus' ministry is just starting to heat up. He's, he's teaching a lot. He's preaching a lot. He's performing miracles. He's healing people. There's a big buzz about Jesus throughout the community. People are talking about him. People are flocking to hear him teach, flocking to see the spectacle. What's he going to do next? And, and he's drawing all these big crowds. And, and right here, just before this in Luke 5, Lucas is telling the story about the, the guys letting down the paralytic. They tore open the ceiling and let down the paralytic through the ceiling. You remember that story. That's what had just happened. Jesus had just healed the paralytic that was lowered through the ceiling. And after that, he got up and he went out. And there's Levi sitting at his booth. Now, some people think that, um, that these tax collectors followed Jesus around. One of the reasons that we continually see that is because they would, they would sit 
uh, set up their tax booth outside of wherever the crowd was. And so since crowds were following Jesus, they would set up their tax booth wherever Jesus was so that when the people were leaving, they could charge them. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't you love it this morning if you went out to your car and there were IRS agents sitting right outside the door? And they said, hey, we're glad you had a good morning at church, um, by the way. Because we kind of get that. We don't get tax collectors like they did tax collectors. Imagine if you get the letter from the IRS. You ever get a letter from the IRS? That's not a good feeling, is it? There's, there's never a good letter from the IRS. They never send you a letter and say, hey, we messed up. You owe, we owe us. It's always me that owes them. At any rate, you get a letter from the IRS and it says, hey, we know that you paid your taxes in April and, and we know that we told you that you were paid in full, but we've decided you owe an extra 5000 No big deal. We just want... You wouldn't like those people very much, would you? But that's how the tax collectors in this time were. They could set the tax at whatever they wanted to. Rome had a minimum that they had to collect. But they could collect anything they wanted above and beyond that and keep it for themselves. And so, depending on where you were, depending on your region, depending on your tax collector, your tax bill may be one thing over here and something else over here. Because it depended on the honesty of your tax collector, depended on how much, how greedy he was, how much money he wanted to make. And that, that, that they were not very popular people. Not just because of the money, though, because Jews, of course, you know, believed that, that anybody who was not a Jew was, was uh, a pagan, a Gentile, that they weren't part of the, the, the people of God. And for a Jew to be serving an occupying force, you, you were worse than just a traitor. Uh, there's, there's not really a way for me to describe how bad that person was. That person was so bad that he was cut off from all of his people. Not just physically, not just emotionally, not just socially, but spiritually. That guy couldn't even go to church. He couldn't even go to God because he was ceremonially unclean. So Jesus is causing a stir, both good and bad, and Jesus is healing and teaching, and people are flocking to him, and, and here we see Jesus, uh, he, he had just taken this guy that came down through the ceiling, and he told him, your sins are forgiven, and the Pharisees are all up in arms about that, because nobody can say, your sins are forgiven, except God. And so Jesus is, by that statement, declaring himself God, and, and you, you'll... That makes people really upset um, because no one except God has the power to forgive sins. But Jesus is God. Jesus is, is proclaiming that. Occasionally you'll come across uh, uh, Arians, the, the, not the A-R-Y, but A-R-I. They're followers of Arius. Uh, Arius was a church father in the early, about 4th century, who, uh, who believed and declared that Jesus was not uh, human. That, that he was purely divine, and I'm rabbit trailing, I know, just stay with me. But, but anyway, that's where a lot of this teaching comes from, Arius. Arius was the guy that St. Nicholas slapped. Um, yeah, well, I really want to go down that road, but I'm not. Um, research that on your own time. Um, at any rate, there are still religions today. Uh, Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses that believe that Jesus didn't, wasn't divine. He was merely uh, anyway, that's, that's, but here you see one more example of Jesus declaring himself God. 
When Jesus says your sins are forgiven, he is declaring himself God. And the religious leaders get that. And it makes them really, really angry. And so he heals this guy. He, he lays a little smack down on the religious leaders. And then he walks outside and there's Levi. And so he sees Levi and he says to him, follow me. Now, nobody follows you on the first time. I, I'm, I'm guessing that Levi had been setting up outside of Jesus' crowds for a while. He had heard some of this teaching. Jesus walks out and sees Levi and says, hey, instead of following me around collecting money, why don't you follow me for real? See, regardless of who you are, regardless of, of your motivations, the Spirit is going to put you where you need to be. And the Spirit puts Levi where he needs to be that day. Maybe the days before, so that he heard the teaching, so that he saw the miracles, and so that when Jesus says, follow me, he's like, really, me? You understand what I am, right? I'm, I'm not, they won't even let me in the temple. I can't even offer a, a sacrifice. Do you understand what you're doing here? You're calling me to follow you? There'll be a lot of folks who are here this morning, and, and I don't know if this applies to you or not. May, you're here because of your spouse. You're here because of your parents. You're here because of your kids. You're here because it's your duty, and it's what you always do on a Sunday morning. But I, I'm, I want you to know that God put you here for a reason this morning. God puts you here. The Spirit puts you right where you need to be. Just like the Spirit puts Levi where he needs to be, the Spirit puts you here for a reason this morning. And the reason is that he wants you to hear the same thing. The Spirit has been convicting Levi's heart. And when Jesus makes contact with him, when Jesus calls him, those floodgates burst open. Because that was the word he's been waiting for. Pick it back up in verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with him. What does Levi do? He tells everybody. He calls all his friends. He talks to everybody he knows and says, you're not going to believe. This rabbi called me. I've been called. You, you guys, you, you don't understand. You've got to come see this. And we miss that. We don't understand that. Our, our, our Western society tells us that we have to keep church and the rest of our lives separate. And, and we kind of fall into that. Because we don't like to tell people about our faith. We don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to be that guy at work. I don't want to be that guy at school. I don't want to be the one who's always preaching or teaching or, 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 or talking churchy stuff. I, I don't want to be that guy because that guy's weird and annoying. And I don't want to be weird and annoying. And so I kind of keep it to myself. But Levi is so overwhelmed in this moment, he's got to tell everybody. He's got to tell everybody. I got some young people, uh, where are you? All of my people that I talked to before about passing out cards, um, go to the back um, and somebody's going to meet you back there. Jeff, will you meet them back there? Um, they're going to pass out some cards to you. Uh, Bethany, Reagan, will you guys help them? Um, this is where everybody hides their eyes. They're not making, don't make eye contact. He's going to call on me. Um, Anybody else, uh, I'm, I'm not going to... If you're a young person you want to help hand out cards, go help hand out cards right now because that's what I need. I need to, to hand these out. Thank you. Every adult, 
Every adult gets a card. They're going to hand you out these cards that are going to look something like this. And we're going to talk for a minute, and then we'll come back and talk about what those cards are. But you also should have on your seats or around somewhere some kind of writing instrument, or are we passing those out too? Um, I think we're passing out some golf pencils and stuff as well. You're going to have a writing instrument. If you have one on your person, in your purse, whatever, that's cool. Um, but if you don't, you need to get one of those. So now, can you imagine being Levi? Levi is cut off from God. Levi is cut off from religion. He cannot find absolution. He cannot go to church. He can't interact with God. His station in life, his job, his place has cut him off completely from any type of religious or or spiritual life until he meets Jesus. See, the Jewish leaders taught that a tax collector was a traitor and that he was ceremonially unclean. Because the the Pharisees saw themselves as the keepers of the purity culture. They were the guys who made sure that everything stayed pure. That that the clean stayed clean and the unclean stayed far away. That, that, uh, That contamination that would come from associating with an unclean person... Well, it, it, would, it, was, it was dose-insensitive and negativity dominant. dominant. Well, that's easy for me to say, right? Dose-insensitive and negativity dominant. Let me tell you what that means. Dose-insensitive just means it only takes a little bit. It only takes a little bit to contaminate the whole thing. Imagine, if you will, um, that I offered you a glass of lemonade. All right? It's a hot day. The sun's beating down on you, and, and there's this glass of crystal, clear, cold, delicious lemonade. And, and you can just taste it. The, the, the tart of the lemon, the sweetness of the sugar, it's cold and it's, it's refreshing, and you want that glass of lemonade. Some of you want it right now. You want that glass of lemonade. But then I tell you, there may be a drop or two of urine in that lemonade. Just a couple of drops. Not enough scientifically to do anything to you. It won't hurt you at all. But it changes it, doesn't it? Because contamination is dose insensitive and negativity dominant. What that means is it only takes a little bit to contaminate the whole thing and that the bad always overwhelms the good. That's negativity dominant. Nobody's ordering lemonade at lunch today. Dose insensitive and negativity dominant. That's what they believe the contamination was of an unclean person. That Levi, it didn't matter. Just a little contact with Levi was going to make you unclean. Just a little contact with Levi because he was unclean was going to come off on you. And it was going to make you ceremonially unclean. That's how tax collectors were viewed. Can you imagine living like that? Can you imagine where you, your family, your friends, your church, everybody has shunned you because of what you do, and you're rejected because of that. So when this rabbi, this teacher, this religious leader looks at him and says, follow me, it's revolutionary. It's revolutionary. And he's got to tell everybody. This morning, you have a card, and on the front of this card it says, three by three by three. On the back, there's room for you to write. Here's here's what I want you to do this morning. 
I want you to write three names on the back of this card. Now, bear with me. Three names that God puts on your heart. Three names that, that you are going to share your faith with. Three names that you're going to invite to church. Three names that you're going to pray for. And, and we're going to take those three names, and we're going to pray for those three names three times a day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Three times a day for three months with the idea that at Easter, you're going to be able to invite that person to church with you, okay? Three names, three times a day for three months. I want you to write those names. God's putting it in your head right now. You, you see it. You hear that name. It's there. And maybe you don't know their name. I don't need to know their full name. Don't put Mike Smith, 2437. I don't need that. Just put Mike. Because this is not about, nobody's going to look at your card. You're going to take your card here in a minute when we're finished, and you're going to come up and put it in one of these baskets. Nobody's going to read it. Nobody's going to look at it. But these, they're going to stay here in these baskets for the three months so that every Sunday when you come, you're reminded. You see these baskets, and you go, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be praying. It's okay if you, don't, if you don't make it. You know, you'll just be doing a lot of praying on Sunday. Catch up. No, I'm just kidding. It's just to remind you that... I want to be praying for these people. Three names, three times a day for three months. With the idea that by Easter, I'm going to invite them and I'm going to share my faith with them. Because that's what Levi does. He tells everybody. And, and there are people who grumble, and that's okay. Jesus had people who grumble too. There, you go back to our text, look at, look at verse 30. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples saying, Why do you eat with and drink with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus answered him, Those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repent. And it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Can you imagine if Larry and his partners over at Huntsville Family Medicine hired a new doctor? But they said, This doctor, he's not going to see sick people. He doesn't like sick people, he thinks they're yucky and gross and there's all kind of mucus and bodily fluids and he don't want to mess with any of that he just wants to work on well people and so he's only going to do well visits and and he's only going to work on healthy people and and if he finds out that you're sick he's going to refer you to somebody else how long you think that guy's going to last larry he's not going to last very long because it's not the healthy who need the doctor but the sick see jesus says i didn't come to call the righteous I came for the sinners. Jesus didn't come to make good people better. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And that's where we've messed up as churches. We've got this idea that you've got to have it all together. You've got to have it all planned out. You've got to get everything together, and then you can come to church. And that's so cattywampus to anything, East Texas word, that, that Jesus was about. Jesus didn't come to make good people better. If you ask my father-in-law any Sunday what sermon was about, he'll tell you, being better. Most of the time he's right. But that's not what Jesus was here for. Jesus didn't come to tell us how to be better. He came to bring us back to life. Jesus says, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinners. It's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. But we don't like that. Like this imaginary doctor, sinfulness is messy. 
It's gross. There's stuff involved. And we don't like that because it gets us dirty. It, it, it makes us have to do things we don't want to do. It's easier to deal with people who have it all together. So we just we look at those people. We don't want to talk to the sinners. But that's not what Jesus is about. And we are proclaiming that at this church, we are Huntsville Church of Christ. That means not that we're following any kind of denominational model. It's that we're following Jesus. That means we need to be about the sick and not the healthy. Our churches have gone from being hospitals that are designed to bring the sick to health. We've turned them into hospices where we're just going to make you comfortable until the end. That's not what Jesus is about. It's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. So in a moment, we're going to sing a song. And, and when we do, I want you to take those cards and just fold it over. It's okay. Nobody's going to read it. I don't care. And you're going to walk up here and put it in one of these baskets. And, and it's just a symbolic gesture. It's just so you can see it. It's just so it'll be in your mind. And you know those three names. And you're going to pray for those three names three times a day for three months with the idea, hey, let me tell you, this, this is, God's going to do some crazy stuff with this. We did this before in a church where I was at, and, and one of the ladies there, um, her brother had been the biggest reprobate in town. Like, like a different woman every week, uh, living however he wanted to live. He had a reputation, and she put his name down. She started praying for him three times a day. That dude showed up in church. Not only did he show up in church, he confessed, he repented, he changed his life because the Holy Spirit got to work on him. Not because of anything we did. This is powerful. So you write those names down and you're going to pray for them. We are going to pray for them. And so when we sing this song, you're going to bring your cards up, put them out here, and and we're going to have those there so that we can pray for them every week. It's not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. This morning, you may be like Levi. You may be here and you don't know why you're here. You don't know why God called you here at this point, at this time. And, and you're here because Jesus is saying, follow me. Jesus is saying, I want you, all of you, I, I want you right where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Jesus says, I know who you are. I know what's going on in your past. I know it all, but I still want you to follow me. That's why you're here this morning. We're going to sing a song, and if you want to respond to that, if you want somebody to pray for you, we're going to have elders and their wives at the back of the building this morning. They are there specifically to pray for you so that you can go back there and just find somebody right now and say, hey, I need prayers. I need you to pray with me. And, and we don't care why you're going back there. Nobody's going to judge you. It may be because my heart's broken, I'm convicted. It may be because I got a new job coming up. It may be because uh, I've got some tests coming up that I'm worried about. It may be whatever, I don't care. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's what the Bible says, and that's what we want to be about. We want to be a people of prayer. And so I'm encouraging you to do that. If you're not able this morning, I know some of you, the idea of getting up in this crowd is scary. That's okay, don't worry about that. I'm going to have some of those same young people run around. Guys, and and you're going to pick up those cards. If you have a card and you want it to go up front, just hold it up, and one of these kids will come pick it up and put it up here for you. Because I want you to participate, because your prayers are important. 
However we can serve you this morning, whatever we can do for you, the time has come. Jesus is calling you. Follow me. Come right now while together we stand and sing. All things are ready. Come.